We're going to finish our services uh, singing and, and worshiping and rededicating ourselves to Jesus. It's so good to be with all of you. My name's Todd. If I haven't seen you for a while, I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And we've been looking forward to this weekend, to this morning, to this time together. Uh, we're going to dive into God's Word in just a few moments. But, you know, we say it every week, and our mission here is to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And so we always like to highlight some of those next step opportunities. And uh, one of those is coming up uh, at the, towards the end of this month, February 26th. We're having an all-campus praise and worship and prayer night. Uh, we'll, we'll join together Port Clinton, Norwalk, and all together at our Sandusky location since it's the most central and it's the biggest. And uh, we need some space so that all of you can come and have a fantastic evening of just leaning into Jesus together and worshiping. And uh, we'll have child care for the littlest ones uh, just up through pre-K. And uh, so let us know that you're coming, if you can even, and we'll be prepared for you. Uh, but we can't wait to, to worship together for that special, special night, Sunday, February 26. Um, for, for many in the room, a next step might be in the area of parenting. Uh, it's not easy work. It's hard stuff, right? Um, and uh, last year in February, we offered a Parenting 101 class, and so this is a, a class that's building on top of that. Uh, it's going to be led by Pastor Jay Halley and Pastor Joe Binkley. Jay's, uh, I mean, he's a veteran dad and parent, and now he's a grandparent, and, and such deep and rich wisdom. And Joe Binkley, for years, worked with kids in our student ministry as well. And uh, they're going to, the, the whole focus of this Parenting 102 class is answering your kids' tough questions and dealing with tough issues. Um, man, what do you say to your kids when they've got all these questions coming at you? And, and what about when your kids um, are wrestling with some doubts or perhaps even as a teen, they, they walk away from Jesus? How can we come alongside and how can we help? And as you as parents, uh, come and be a part of this class. You can register online through the website on the events page or just text the word parenting to our Texan number that we use for everything here and uh, you can get signed up. There's child care available for this class as well. thought that might be needed since it's for you parents, okay? Uh, so we'll be ready for you, but we need to know how many kids are going to be there so we can be prepared. So sign up for Parenting 102. Uh, and then finally, one more opportunity for a next step for all of the marriages in the room. Uh, Resist the Drift is a new marriage conference. Um, what an, I mean, you guys, this is an incredible, incredible opportunity. We're going to have Drs. Greg and Aaron Smalley from Focus on the Family live and in person at our Sandusky location. So we, again, so we can fit all of you um, uh, just to invest in our relationships. And the theme is Resist the Drift. It's so easy to kind of go into coast mode even in the most important of relationships. And uh, we don't want to coast. We want one another to feel loved and cherished and honored. And marriage can take some work. And so whether, whether you're even struggling or whether things are going really pretty good right now, it can always get even better with some time, some investment, some attention. And um, so join us for Resist the Drift. You can register. Again, just text the word marriage to our Texan number or go online and invest in your marriages that way. It's a month of love, right? This week's Valentine's Day, so got all the guys that forgot, get order tickets, okay? You know, surprise her, okay? You, you'll win, okay? Well, we're in the series uh, where we're walking through chapter by chapter in the book of Galatians, which really is a letter that uh, the Apostle Paul 
was writing to a group of churches in the region of Galatia. Many of those churches probably were ones that he helped start. Many of the people that were in Galatia that were followers of Jesus were that because they heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus from the Apostle Paul and the team that was traveling with him. And uh, this weekend, we're going to land in chapter 4 and move into chapter 5 a little bit. This is a big, weighty passage of Scripture, so we won't have the time to to look at every single verse. And so um, I'm going to encourage you to open your Bibles or open your app on your phone. We're going to jump around from place to place within kind of uh, these benchmarks. Um, And uh, what we're going to see is is Paul's uh, encouragement and his challenge to the Galatian people. Now, uh, what I want you to know is uh, sometimes people will say this to you or say to this to me. Maybe you've, maybe you've had this said to you. Um, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Ugh. <laughs> Don't, that's, that's painful, isn't it? Like, I'd rather you just be mad and be angry because eventually you'll get over it, right, or something. I mean, it'll wear off eventually. But when somebody, especially if it's somebody that you respect or somebody that you uh, value, somebody that's important in your life, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a parent. You know, and when dad said, I'm not mad, I'm just, I'm really disappointed. Ugh. Or maybe it was a coach, or maybe it was a coworker, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a boss. Disappointment. And we've come to this point in Paul's letter to the Galatians, and he's been angry. He, I mean, he's, he's let them have it a couple times. And now as he's writing this letter to the Galatians, he's just, he's disappointed. So I want to take us there, Galatians chapter 4, and this is what Paul puts to paper. He says, oh, my dear children. So it's this deep, familial term of endearment. My dear children, he says, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains again for you. Now, some of the ladies in the room, they're like, Paul, you don't know nothing about no labor pains. Uh, I respect you women. I remember with our first Lisa, she was in labor for 12 hours, and then they did a C-section. Like all that for, for seemingly nothing, like, come on. It, I mean, and I, I just, I couldn't believe what she went through. Now, I'm tell, I will say, I had a hangnail one time, and it was, it was bad. But, I mean, I was on the couch, and Lisa got me ice. And we made it through. Yeah, that's how it's guide. Like, we're, man, we're, you know, we, some of us look tough, but we're, we're just big wimps when it comes to pain. And you ladies, you, man, you're here, you are heroes, Okay. Yes, give it to the ladies in the room. All right. So I know you're saying, Paul, come on. But his, his were labor pains of a different kind. Remember I told you, that, I mean, Paul had come into this region and maybe it was one of the first people to share Jesus. And people were responding in faith. Like people were, like we just sung about, I mean, they were, they were moving from death to life, from darkness to light, like, There was new life all over the place. These people were getting a whole new start at life. Paul had seen spiritual birth happening in people's lives. And now he says, dear children, because they were like his kids, his spiritual children. 
he, he says, it's like I'm going through labor pains all over. There was this deep angst, hurt, pain, grief, and disappointment in Paul's heart. So much so, he says, and th those pains are going to continue till Christ is fully developed in your lives. Verse 20, he says, I wish I were with you right now. Remember, he's writing a letter so that I could change my tone. But at this distance, he says, I don't know how else to help you. You ever been to one of those points? Like, you're so down, you're so disappointed. It's like, I don't even know what to do, what to, how to help, how to make this better. And Paul, he's just aching. And, and he alludes in the, in the text to what it was that he was disappointed, what he was so discouraged about. At the end of 19, he says, these pains are going to continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Elsewhere, Paul says, listen, you, you, he was talking to the people, the believers, he said, you're my joy and crown. Elsewhere, he says, daily I carried around with myself the weight of all the churches. He cared so much, and he didn't just care about people coming into a relationship with Jesus. He cared about their next steps, about Christ being fully developed in their lives. That's what we're about here at the chapel. That's why our mission is to help people move one step closer. We're not just about the first step. We're about the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step. That if, if, you, if you're here this weekend and you've given your life to Jesus, the most important thing in your life and my life is that we keep moving and become more and more like Christ. Why? Because he wants to use you. He wants to use me in this world. And he can't use the old version of me, like the, you know, like the selfish, the... But he can use the changed Todd. He can use a new humble Todd. He can use a more loving Todd. He can use a, a more gracious Todd. And the same can happen in your life and my life. And this was Paul's heartbeat for the Galatians. And something had gotten in the way of their spiritual growth. I bet it's happened in your life before. You've stalled out, haven't you? Maybe you're here this weekend. Like, you just feel dry inside or... There's no fruitfulness. There's no joy. Like, I mean, you're going to church and you're going through the motions. Maybe you're even serving. And in, over the course of chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul, he, he, he asks several different questions. And these questions were meant to, like, wake up the Galatians, like, shake them a little bit, like, get, get them to look inside. And they aren't just questions that are good for the Galatians back then. They're good for you and me now. Uh, over the course of our time, I want us to be very clear about what Paul was writing to them about so that we can figure out how to specifically then apply it to your life and my life right in the here and now. And these questions that he poses to them are questions for us as well. So let's look at the questions. He begins in verse 8. He says, Before you Gentiles knew God, he was writing to um, the, the, the region of Galatia was filled with Gentiles. These weren't people that worshiped the Old Testament God of the Bible. They weren't Jewish by heritage or by practice. Um, they were pagan at core at best. He says, But before you even knew God, you were slaves to so called gods that don't even exist. Because that's the truth. Even if we don't believe in a God, we'll make up a God in our life. It, it, it can look like money. It can look like stuff. It can look like things. It can look like family. It can look like anything. It's anything that we try to kind of get our worth 
and value from. And he says, so you know God, or, or so, so now that you know God, he says, or should I say, since God knows you, he says, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of... He's saying, guys, God got a hold of your life and you experienced Jesus' love for you and it changed your life. So why are you going back? And that's a question, isn't it? Why do we go back? Because we do, don't we? All, many of us in this room that have given our lives to Jesus and like for a while it was really amazing and old habits, though, they die hard or life gets discouraging and heavy. And it's just, it's just so easy to go back to whatever it was that we went to before Jesus. The truth be told, some of you in the room, you're, you can't even go back. You've, you've never gone forward. You, you've, you've never discovered your worth and value from God through the gift of his son, Jesus. And so it's like just this perpetual cycle of searching and looking and trying to find worth and value in something else. This is what Paul was saying to the Galatians. He's saying, listen, you guys know better, but you, you've gone back. You started to, to worship the things that you used to worship, the, the things that aren't even gods. They're just so-called made-up gods. <laughs> I, wor- the word worship, it comes from an old English term, worthship. It just means whatever it is that we place worth and value upon and then try to get our worth and value from, that is the object of our worship. Pastor J.D. Greer says it can be anything. For, for instance, um, we can look to money and stuff, and that becomes our idol, the thing that we worship in life, but it doesn't fulfill us. It doesn't, it doesn't make us feel satisfied deep down. In fact, it usually leads to more obsessiveness or stinginess or workaholism, right? It doesn't work. It's an empty God. Or we can even make family the idol of our life. And I mean, family is a good thing, right? But it can become an idol, something that we place all of our value and energy and efforts in, and it's, it gets number one, right? But then when family doesn't work right or the family doesn't behave right or, man, and then it's a reflection on me and, and, man, you need to get your act together. And then we start to control and manipulate or we become codependent, right? And the same thing was happening amidst the Galatian church and they were just falling back into their old ways, whatever those ways were, and it had stunted their growth. This is why Paul is like, I'm in labor pains again. I'm so disappointed. Bob Dylan put it this way in his song, Gotta Serve Somebody. He says, you may be a businessman or you may be some high degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief. You may be a construction worker working on a home or you might be living in a mansion. You might be living in a dome. He says, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Well, it might be the devil. It might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. We're all serving somebody or something. The question, what is the object of our worship? Where are we finding our real value and worth? And Paul says to the Galatians, guys, why'd you go back? 
You went back to looking for meaning and purpose and value in the things that you used to look for them in. And it's coming up empty. Well, in verses 7 and 9, Paul brings up another question. Remember, these are questions not just for them, they're questions for us, but they were first written to them. And he, he says to the Galatians who he loves, his dear children, he says, hey, you were running a great race. You were running the race so well. He says, who has held you back from following the truth? Other versions uh, say, who cut in on you? You ever, I was in Aldi yesterday. I got cut in on, I mean, I was right there. It was clear. And I mean, they just swooped in. Now they couldn't see me because behind, I was behind like the cereal boxes and stuff. I was waiting. I was trying to make a gap. I was being kind, like giving people like a freeway, a throughway, you know. Um, and then I'm trying to be kind, and but, but Paul says, "Listen, who who got in your way? Because you were running a great race. Like you were going, and you were winning, and you were growing." So what's held you back? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a tough question. What's getting in the way? What's holding us back? What's keeping us from taking our next step, growing to become more and more like Jesus? In verse 8, he's, he goes on, he says, It certainly isn't God. It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. He didn't. God didn't call us to... Go be a slave all over again to those old things, to go back to those things, or, or for other things to get in the way of the freedom that he's tried to bring us into. He says, uh, this false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. So he alludes to uh, one of the things that was getting in the way of the spiritual growth of the Galatians. There was a, there was a group of people called the Judaizers, and they had come along and introduced some false teachings, some false ideologies. They had they had added more and more rules and regulations and saying, well, this is the real way to uh, be spiritual, to, you know, kind of get kudos with God. And isn't it so true that that can happen in your life and mine too? I mean, even like religiosity or spirituality sometimes can be a thing that gets in the way of growing closer to Jesus. It's crazy to think about that, but it happens. It happens all the time. And then in, in Galatians chapter 4, we're going to jump back a little bit because Paul, he gives a, an Old Testament example of how well, something can get in the way of the Galatians' spiritual growth. And this we can't go through this whole passage, so I'm thankful to good pastors like Matt Chandler and J.D. Greer. And, and just to kind of give a summary of what, what Paul talks about from this Old Testament passage out of the book of Genesis um, so God promises Abraham, there's this grand promise to Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son, and that through that son, their son, eventually would come Jesus. Like, they were going to have a son, and their son would have, carry the family lineage that would lead to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Pretty big, huge deal and huge promise. The only problem was, it had been 15 years, and they still didn't have a son. Abraham and and, and Sarah, they were well past childbearing age. In fact, when God came and told Sarah she was going to get pregnant, she laughed, which ends up being her son's name, Isaac, which means laughter. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, 
But, but it's been 15 years, and it hasn't happened. And, and so what does she do? She convinces Abraham to have a child with their household servant, Hagar. Like, this is kind of sick and twisted, uh, but this happened. And, and this happened a lot in that day and age. Like having a family line, having children, having someone to pass on your stuff to, and, and having sons and daughters, especially sons, you know, to protect you and to go to war for you. Like, it was a big deal. And, and I mean, they had heard this promise from God, and when we hear a promise from God and then God doesn't seem to be coming through, there's a real temptation to take matters into our own hands, and that's what, that's what Sarah does. She says, well, go be with Hagar, and we'll have a son, and this will be the answer. This will be the promised one. But 10 years later, uh, God delivers on his promise to Abraham and Sarah, and she actually does get pregnant. And she has a son named Isaac. So now there's these two sons. One is from Hagar, the slave, and one is Sarah's. And that brings us to what Paul writes about in Galatians chapter 4.23. He says, the son of the slave wife, Hagar's son, uh, was, in a, was a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. We'll come back to that phrase, a human attempt. Uh, but the son of the freeborn wife of Sarah was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. So the, the phrase that I think is significant here is that in a human attempt. You see, when God isn't doing what we think God should do and we take matters into our own hands, when, when we attempt, humanly speaking, to do what only God can really do, it can stunt our spiritual growth. And that's what... Paul is pointing out to the Galatians, and it's what his truth is pointing out to us today. All of us have been there. You've been there, right? You've been in seasons of waiting. I, I mean, I can't fault Sarah. God said, I'm going to have a son, and it's been 15 years. Nothing. And so she's starting to think, well, maybe God meant. And the same thing could happen. We've been in a, in a season of waiting. I mean, she 15 years. Our son Carter, he's 16 now. He got sick when he was 14. It's been 18 months. The boy that we raised for 14 years is not the boy that's living in our house right now. He has an autoimmune disorder causing inflammation on his brain, causing all kinds of neurological, psychological issues, and we can't make it better. And it feels like be honest, it feels like God's not making it better. We're waiting. And waiting. And trying and trying. and Appointment after appointment and different doctors and different treatments and different. And it's, it, I mean, it's, you just want to take matters into your own hands, but the problem is I don't even know what I'd do. There's just no answers. And, and it can happen to all of us. When we're in seasons of waiting, we just start to, to function in our own human strength and ability and wisdom. But where does it lead us? Eventually, we got to just come back, come back to Jesus and beg him, ask him to help. And... and 
the Galatians, they had gone back to some of their old ways of living, and they had stopped trusting in the promise of God's grace. The same thing can happen. Um, the other thing that can get in the way, remember the Judaizers, they were spreading this false teaching that was all about rules and religion, and, and it was all about uh, what you can do for God to kind of impress and, and make your way uh, and that can happen in our lives, too, and that can set us off track from our spiritual growth because we've taken, again, it's kind of a way of taking matters into our own hands. I remember um, we were at one desperate point with Carter where he was not doing well. Um, one of the side effects of what he has at certain times, he won't eat. And so I said, well, I'm just going to start fasting. I'm like, I'm, I'm not eating then. I'm not going to eat till Carter, until Carter gets better. I'm going to fast. You know, I thought I was doing a spiritual thing. And I remember it had been a few days, and I read this quote about fasting, and it said, make sure that as you fast, what you're seeking is God's face, not God's hand. And I realized, like, my motive, like, I was just so desperate, and it was out of love, but I was trying to force God force God's hand by my human effort. Like, I'm going to fast. I'm not going to eat. I'm proving to you, God, to get him to do something, to get his hand. When in reality, what God wants is our hearts. And what, what I need, yeah, I do. I need his hand to move. But at the end of the day, if he's not moving, what I, what I got to at least know, what we've got to at least know is we see his face and we know we're not alone and that he's with us. And that even when his hand doesn't seem to be moving, that his heart is still for us, that his eyes are still on us. So it's what we sang earlier. There's nothing, there's nothing better than you, Jesus. That's what we need. And what I love in the text is that Paul, even though he's so disappointed with the Galatians and they've gotten so off track and he's asked them these questions like, hey, well, uh, why'd you go back? <laughs> and then he's asking, hey, what got in the way? He, he reminds them of how they can get back on track because it's of utmost importance and it's of utmost importance in your life and in my life if we're called to become more and more like Jesus and something's gotten in the way or we've gone back to old ways Jesus wants to bring us back and and Paul reminds the Galatians in verse 6 he says listen what's most important is faith expressing itself in love first of all experiencing God's incredible love for us so that we can then extend that love to other people. That's what's important. You want to take a litmus test of our own spiritual growth. It's how we are doing at loving others. It's not about your church attendance. It's not about your Bible memory and knowledge. It's about how we are loving, loving sacrificially, loving selflessly. That's the way, that's the pathway to Christ-likeness. I don't, know, I don't know what's gotten in the way, maybe, in your life or, or what you've gone back to. But as we close our time in, with this song, um, maybe it's a time of just soul searching. Maybe it's a time of asking ourselves those two important questions. What have I gone back to? Or what's getting in the way?
And then just to confess that to Jesus, say, forgive me and lead me. I'm not going to be able to make it alone, but get me back on track, Jesus, and give me your strength. It's not, it's not I, but it's Christ living in me that gives us that strength. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you meet us right where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing.